In this episode, Ryan and I discuss diversification and the importance of concentration. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery, your host. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. We're happy that you're here. So we're going to talk today about diversifying across agents or insurance companies, diversification in the general. Subject of diversification, the uh, the holy grail, the, the the main pitch of the conventional financial services industry, right? Everybody should be diversified. You got to be diversified. Diversified, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think that diverse you diversify when you don't know what you're doing. Are you against diversity? Oh my gosh. Well, we're talking about <laughs> money and capital, aren't we? I love diversity. Look at those two white men talking about <laughs> <laughs> critically examining the idea of diversity. Now listen, listen, listen. I couldn't help myself, sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, the perfect. Yeah, we're we're talking about diversity and and yep, you're white, you're and you're much wider than I am. <laughs> so, and I believe that we yes, we can talk about diversity. Absolutely. Um I love diversity except for when it comes to money. Ooh. Um then I'm not saying that diversification is bad, mm-hmm. but that's absolutely what you do when you don't know what to do is diversify. Yeah. Right. I heard Warren Buffett say that diversification is protection against ignorance. What? So education would be the solution to diversification. Oh. Right? right. What a concept. And you might find that concentration as opposed to diversification when it comes to capital accumulation and use is mm-hmm. the uh, better strategy. And if I do the proper education, I'll know where to concentrate. Hey. <laughs> right. All right. Well, this podcast is We're over. Done. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, Oh, but so, seriously, I mean, so how it comes, how does it come up, right? I get, we get calls, emails, questions from people, you know, um, should I have multiple policies with different companies uh, or with, and or with different agents? Um, sometimes people who, maybe they started a policy, pick a number, 2010, 2011, and here we are, 2019, they want to start another, right? Their income's gone up, they're ready to start another policy, uh, you know, should I stay with the same agent? Should I go with the new one? Um, that means the agent, the previous agent, is still available or around. Y- or, oh yeah, that's a good yeah. And they may or may not. They be. may or may not be. Right. Uh, you know, I, I get that um, quite often. Um, same thing. You know, we started, did this, and previously, and. Um, we want to do something more different. What should I do? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really a case-by-case basis quite often. Yeah. Right? Um, but if <clears throat> if I want to get into the infinite banking concept, I want to become my own banker. Right? Does that mean I should go out and buy, you know, different policies with different agents and different companies for the purpose of diversification? No, I don't think that's where you start. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. you got to make sure only to have a limited amount of it, right? Yeah. Right. Go In the case of whoever else. you're working with doesn't doesn't know or isn't competent, you want to get him an armchair quarterback, and then that armchair quarterback may need an armchair quarterback. Yeah. So you've so. done your vetting. You've done your homework on somebody, <laughs> and you're so enthusiastic that you need to make sure only to pay some of your premium to policy that you might get from that individual. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe something's gone wrong in the vetting. 
then. Maybe, um, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a fun, you know, and on the other hand, you could have people who, you know, they've read the book, they've watched our book review, they listened to podcasts, read blogs, read my Medium articles, you know, all these kind of, they've done, they've <laughs> Shame, done their, that's a shameless plug. <laughs> they've done their homework. They've watched the Banking with Life DVD. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pile it up. Yeah. Um, but they've done their homework. They, they're all in and they genuinely want to know, you know, well, should I own? Because I, and I tell people too, if you do infinite banking correctly, you're not only a policy owner, you're a part company owner because you're buying a policy from a mutual insurance company and therefore you are a part residual claimant you're part owner well let's of that let's company. undercapitalize a company that we own that makes sense i'm a part <laughs> owner in this company and i'm not sure about it so i want to limit how much i of my capital that i put into a company that i'm part owner in mm-hmm. yeah i mean if you just think this through and talk it out talk it yeah out loud it's like yeah it can kind of evaporate but i get it It, i think it's again another one of those hangovers from the conventional financial analysis and uh you know the idea of wanting to be diversified oh my gosh if you're maxing out that 401k you better have it in a well diversified uh portfolio of mutual fund or index mutual funds um so i get it diversity diversification especially diversity and the culture that's the rage that's all the rage today and it is noise it's just more of the financial noise if, uh, like nelson said if you uh, know what's going on you will know what to do right but you got to know what's going on uh, first. you got to be able to properly classify yeah. things and if you don't know what's going on then you diversify <laughs> <laughs> well okay how much how much money are you comfortable putting with one life insurance company is that can i be bold and ask that i mean is there a number sure, i don't think there's really clients, a number i'm just saying um, their limit or you know is it a million dollars i mean for me personally i want to know when it comes to putting business in force whether it's for myself or for others i mean i want to know that it's a well-run mutual company with a excellent spotless dividend payment history right positive dividends consecutively for a hundred years or more right we're narrowing the field pretty quickly Mm -hmm. and we've talked about it before direct versus non-direct recognition i like a non-direct company because i might want to collateralize my cash value in later years to provide passive income but a whole nother subject but there are certain my point is there's certain characteristics that i look for in a particular company and and then I'm gonna of of that bunch of the ones that remain after we've eliminated the ones that I don't want to place business with, of those, which one is optimal? Right? I want to optimize and concentrate my capital accumulation function rather than take a defensive position. And not that you know playing defense is bad for you know, but in the sake of for the sake of the analogy, I don't want I don't want to be on defense and, and be side-eye and skeptical of the company that I do business with, right? I want to oh, investigate, man. do my research, do my vetting, and then of what remains, choose the optimal one. Choose choose who's best for the job. Um, and I think if you go through that process with an agent who knows what they're doing, then uh, you end up with a very limited set of possibilities and in fact, there might just be one left over that you, you just narrowed, to concentrate with. You just narrowed the field again. He <laughs> <laughs> like narrowed fields yeah. to work in. And so that's, you know, Warren Buffett owns 
I sound like a Buffett fanboy. I'm really not, but yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he you the man listen, owns you one listen, company. You you listen to Warren Buffett annual meetings. I like their annual meetings. Yeah, uh, that's fanboy categories. Well, which is well, nothing you, wrong with that. What I like of them, though, in my defense here, is that both. Buffett and his partner Charlie Munger are extremely critical of conventional financial theory mm-hmm. and all the financial economics, modern portfolio theory, all of that nonsense. Harry Markowitz. Yep, the whole deal, asset optimal asset portfolio allocation and all that, and um, yeah, they think it's all silly. So I do enjoy their take on things. I I have to say though, I think they're both nuts when it comes to macroeconomics. <laughs> um, they're they're both uh, solidly Keynesian. You know, the, the idea that World War II got us out of the Great Depression and all that, they eat that up all day. Uh, I, I've heard Munger say recently, here we are in 2019, I've heard, heard him say recently that, uh, you know, the Fed did great in 08. You know, they did what they could have. They had to take oh, these extreme God. measures because yeah. no one saw this coming. All of that, no thank you. Well, wait, didn't they, didn't, that, didn't, they, didn't they get a sweetheart deal on Citibank or somebody? You know, the convertible debentures at three bucks or so. Yeah. I don't know. Who I'm knows just... what goes on there. And... <laughs> well, it's history. Right. <laughs> so there are certain things they do say that I do like. I mean, yeah. the, when they've, uh, and, and in particular, this, this idea of diversification versus concentration. I can be diversified because I'm ignorant, or I can be concentrated because I'm educated and I know the right way forward. Uh, and I think if you read Becoming Your Own Banker, you work with an agent who understands what's in that book and, and implements it in their own life, practices what they preach. Uh, if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. So when it okay, so diversification may not be in and of itself, you know, a a uh, good for the sake of it. Yeah, just good for the sake of it. There you go. <clears throat> but if uh, it, I mean, it's like. Okay, can I have more than one company, or does it make sense to own more than one company? Yeah, maybe, depending on what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. But not for the sake of diversification. Maybe one particular company is best for the solution. Um, And then maybe two companies are best for the solution. I don't know, depending on what the problem is or what the goals are. But to own more than one company for the sake of diversification is not appealing to me mm-hmm. um, I don't how does that put one in a better position you right. know what I mean if I have a limited number of dollars to pay a limited amount of premium should I take that and divide it up over one company two companies three ten how many I mean, policies do you want to manage how many <clears throat> relationships do you want to manage yeah well Nelson you know as you said we've talked about you know he owned 49 at the peak uh, of his ownership and policies he owned 49 different policies and i wonder why you know number one one policy really can't get everything done that one needs to get done if they're going to become their own banker Mm -hmm. and the ability you have today to pay a premium is going to change in the future either better or for worse Um, if you're young and earning your earning potential and power should increase so you should probably buy more policies as this makes more sense to you really no 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 matter how what regardless of your age Mm -hmm. right um i personally think that i mean i own every company that we engage with and i think that's just a matter of correctness and you know they're all doing what they do Mm -hmm. but i sure didn't buy policies with other companies to diversify the proper vetting 
you know the proper structure of yeah. a policy um now i can own multiple assets from those policies so i can diversify in the assets that i own mm-hmm. all right but i don't want to beat diversification up but i do i think well, i know you know i think you do. The, i mean for the diversification for the sake of diversification yes we'll beat it up we'll just throw it out the window yeah and mm. I, there's also but on the other side of this there's nothing wrong where if you've done some sort of financial business with somebody who does not understand the infinite banking concept or someone who has not gone through the nelson nash institute practitioner program someone who uh, does not demonstrate expertise in becoming your own banker you know there's nothing wrong with in initiating a new relationship with someone who does oh no question because um, you will hear what's out there a lot is oh yeah we can do that you know, I've never read oh that book yeah I've heard Nelson Nelson who I can Infinite. spell IBC yeah we can do that no problem yeah right so there's nothing wrong with choosing an agent who or whomever it might be choosing someone who has demonstrated to you and your vetting and your research understands what they're doing and you may end up diversified across financial products but that's different than that's different than targeting diversification for the sake of it from the outset and that's that's kind of what we want to confront here and analyze yeah well let me let me say you mentioned it earlier you know speaking with people that have had or they own life insurance policies and they've had previous relationships um and what should they do should they keep that or should they do something different um and i want to say that that does happen an awful lot somebody reaches out and say look i've had these life insurance policies or this or that or whatever it is for x number of years and either the agent is is you know retired or moved on um or they don't understand what i'm trying to do they don't understand the infinite banking concept i think i do and and so should i do more with what i have or should i do something different and i see quite often that you know when you have a life insurance policy i don't care what the construct is if it's a dividend paying whole life insurance policy issued by a mutual company and that thing seven eight nine ten fifteen twenty years old whatever it is you should probably keep that and yeah. learn how to master that you know learn how to manage that asset um i just want to say that that you shouldn't be out there replacing policies because just for the sake of you know you want to practice the infinite banking concept mm-hmm. you should understand the assets that you own you should understand how to manage them and then of course you should always try to improve your position yeah. and your health and your intellect or your knowledge um and I think another where if you wind up buying other policies with other companies and other agents, you know, just do your vetting, do your homework and yeah. make sure that you're doing the right thing for you and your family. Yeah, and I think another uh, motivation, origin, another source of this concern, this diversification concern is sort of a hangover from that conventional financial thinking because in infinite banking the entity the source the individual the 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 piece that's going to generate that's going to contribute most to the results right the the entity that's going to affect the outcome in a policy over the course of that policy's lifetime is the policy owner that would be you right not the company you know what company is important as i went through we're gonna we can narrow down the list of the companies that are good to work with and and we can talk about the reasons why, but at the end of the day, 
It's the individual's behavior, your use, your management of a policy that will affect the outcome the most. Uh, and so if we nail down the foundation, the, the education, the conceptual understanding of what's in becoming your own banker, of what the infinite banking concept is really all about from the perspective of Nelson Nash, uh, you check that box, you solve a lot of these other problems. No right? question. When you start doing, you know, when you start actively becoming your own banker, what what is going on becomes clearer and clearer. And when you know and you can see what's going on, you'll know what to do. So, you know, if I had a bunch of policies from years gone by and, and I'm unfamiliar with how to get a loan, how to repay a loan, if I can't determine what my actions um, are doing to that policy, what the effect of my actions are on that policy, you know, you do, you should, no question, increase your understanding of that asset that you own. But if if you don't have the the resources, if you don't have the agent or whomever, if you don't have help, assistance, or guidance, um, then you should improve your situation. You should seek out someone who does practice the infinite banking concept like you had mentioned earlier. And then you should avoid replacement in general, a right? blanket statement, general statement. But you should master that asset. You should know how to manage that asset. And then if you want to expand with other policies, other companies, by all means, get to it. But work with someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's really being able to properly classify things and understanding or being able to see what is going on. If you understand what's going on, you'll know what to do. You know? And then things become remarkably simple. I, mean, I know you gave a, given a talk. But the title of it was ridiculously simple. And Nelson used to talk about how look, this is ridiculously simple. Uh, <laughs> it's so simple. There's just there's <laughs> so much noise out there. Uh, you give a financial person enough time, and by God, they'll complicate it. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true for just about anybody, too. Uh, yeah, I we love, love financial professionals. <laughs> uh, but diversification is just another example of the noise that's out there, and yep. you know, it, it, in fact, it, I'm, I'm even willing to grant it could be true. You, if you're uh, waist deep, or you've dove into the deep end of the pond out there in the conventional financial world diversification might be the only protection against uh the dangers that are lurking right uh i don't know i mean i'm not i don't play in that sandbox so it's not something that you know is front and center but uh if diversification is on the table well like something's already gone wrong right we've already you know, why do I need to diversify? Why do I need to play defense? Why do I need to protect myself? Not that playing defense and being protected are bad things, but if by default we say from the get-go, look, we need to be diversified, um, maybe there's a base that hasn't been covered in that in your vetting or research process. Yeah, at least one. Right. That's what I've got for you. <clears throat> well, listen, fanboy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh i didn't know look i did not know <laughs> go on <laughs> no, i did not know that that the uh the the shareholder meetings were you know televised live or a record some have recorded some have been streamed live yeah. streamed, so streamed live so yeah, you can go back and read lots of them i'm not there's I'm not good stuff to. in there but there's 
nonsense in there too. Yeah. Sure. No. Uh, yeah. I'm just it's it's so funny there. because, um, okay, Nelson Nash becoming your own banker. There's a page in there. I forget the particular number where he talks about uh, economic value added EVA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Okay. The guy who came up with EVA, uh, Stern Stewart and Company guy named guy by the name of Joel Stern. Right. Went to University of Chicago when Milton Friedman and other Nobel laureate winning people were there. Uh, that's where he Stern got his MBA, developed the idea of economic value added. You have the underlying idea that uh, capital has a cost. There's an opportunity cost to capital, right? Um, Warren Buffett has had a relationship with Joel Stern in the past. Mm -hmm. There's talks on YouTube. You can find them where Stern will mention Buffett and all of that. Stern was one of the, uh, not maybe not one of the original, but one of the early investors in Berkshire Hathaway before mm -hmm. it went, you know, vertical and took off. Uh, so <laughs> one of the many instance, instances in which he's done quite well. But uh, my point here is the irony that Buffett gets by all, in, by all in indications, he understands Stern's idea that capital does have a cost and yep. there is an opportunity cost of capital. So capital is front and center. Berkshire Hathaway does maintain a large cash balance in order to take advantage of opportunities that come, right? Oh, they have a lot of capital so that opportunities come their way. Hmm. Yeah. So that that whole paradigm, right? And so it's ironic to me that uh, you know they ought to be talking about IBC and dividend paying dividend paying whole life. Uh, all twenty some odd staffers, <coughs> however many they have at Berkshire Hathaway, ought to all be carrying massive amounts of death benefits. Well, you know Berkshire Hathaway, um, they understand life insurance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they have quite the exposure. Yeah. In yeah. Uh, in the life insurance arena, so. You know, I want to put maybe the link to. Didn't you just read the? What book did you just read on Joel Stern? That's a pretty mm. good book. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just yeah, saying that was very good reading. Um, I'll re I'll think of it. Uh, there's one book called Foundations of EVA. It's a, got a green paperback cover. It's not written by Stern, but it's written by a guy that Stern Stewart and Company like authorized to use their copyright and I EVA and all that. Uh, so that's one of them. But, um, okay. Well, what else do you have for us, young man? I think we, I think we beat it up pretty good. I'm happy. <laughs> <All right>. I'm pleased. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> have a great day. <laughs>